The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Gate Global Impact, Seed Equity Ventures, and Patch of Land. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. I'm a Forbes contributor covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. And today we are really extraordinarily uh, fortunate. We, we're blessed to have with us uh, Tom Chappell, who is the founder of Toms of Maine and uh, a tremendous social entrepreneur. Uh, I think about a decade ago, Tom, you sold... Uh, Toms of Maine to Colgate Palmolive for about $100 million. Not a bad day, uh, I imagine. Um, but it was interesting. You kept a stake in that business to make sure that you could keep some influence over the, the way that that company was run. Now you've launched Rambler's Way. We're excited to hear about that. Tom, tell us a little bit about uh, Rambler's Way. Well, well, thank you, Devin. Um, I decided after Toms of Maine that uh, I would um, have an opportunity to start another enterprise that had the same kind of values approach. Uh, and I got interested uh, significantly in the apparel industry because I grew up in the textile business. And I thought, well, if we we're ever to do this again, I wanted to do it with my family and also to uh, try to make a difference and bring the textile industry and garment industry back to the United States. So uh, we've been doing that since 2000 and nine and uh, really making a difference and i will say having been very much challenged by the complexities of the apparel industry but we're very comfortable with what we're doing and excited now that's great and tom we we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today you offered up five tips and i thought it'd just be great to go through these uh, you know to, to get tips from uh you know, someone with your depth of experience is really valuable. But your your first tip was to care deeply. Why do you think that's so important? Well, I'll tell you, when you're uh, working through your growth straight, uh, stages and, and you're at it for decades, uh, you've got two choices. You can uh, continue to compromise, 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 and end up uh, nowhere near where you intended. Or you could have a set of values that you are adhering to, and uh, frankly, it's going to take a lot of fortitude to, to stay the course. So I find that caring about the environment, caring about people, uh, while at the same time you're building uh, a brand that grows and profits uh, and helps everyone is really important. But you can't do it unless you've got that deep-seated uh, uh, caring uh, to, to, to do it in a just way. Well, I, I, I I, that really is an inspiring observation. Is there a story that you connect this to that, that, that motivates this conclusion, maybe particular some particular challenge where you had to fight through it and realize that the, the motivating factor was, was what carried you through? Well, I chuckle because, um, you know, we... We had a toothpaste uh, that um, was very successful. It was about 50% of our business. And uh, then the um, FDA came along and said, well, you know, you really have to test that on animals. That's part of our protocol. 
we said, well, we have a very clear practice with our customers uh, that we will not test on animals, that there are efficacy studies that we've done uh, uh, with Norman, normal human trials, and we would expect you to uh, consider those. Well, it was quite a back and forth, and we were um, simply saying that testing on animals was not an option for us. I never said no, but I just kept saying it's not an option. And eventually they said, well, we'll have a look at your uh, human trials, and they did. They were indeed efficacious, and uh, we became the first toothpaste in America to be able to market its uh, fluoridated toothpaste without testing on animals. Then, of course, it's, it became... It's remarkable new that it was so difficult to convince them that uh, humans were animals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm slow. I'm slow, but I got there. I got there. So your next tip was know thyself. Uh, why is it important to know yourself in this? I, I'm not sure I understand the, 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 the real issue there. Well... Once again, as you're going through this long journey, uh, it's quite easy to get um, challenged by so many different uh, points of view of business strategy, business practice, and at the end, you know, you hit points where uh, you, you just don't know how you're going to make it because uh, it, it's tough going. It's at those points that you realize that your native abilities uh, kick in and are so much appreciated. I'm, for, for instance, I'm able to uh, uh, be very promotional, uh, to sell people on concepts. I'm a concept person, not a technical person. And without my ability to, uh, to persuade people, um, whether that's inside the organization or to a large customer or to a board of directors, it makes it very difficult. But one of the things that people laugh at is that um, I have an unduly uh, uh, unusual ability to be persuasive. Well, you, you persuaded me. Uh, your, <laughs> next, your next tip was uh, envision your destiny. And this one makes sense to me, but tell me what's your experience with this that, that helped you identify this as one of those five keys? Well, I think we often talk about vision in business. Um, Sometimes vision is really seen as a mental, intellectual uh, uh, pursuit. Uh, often sales, uh, how big you're going to get, uh, what you're going to do. A destiny is really uh, slightly different. It's um, more based on what do you care about, what do you believe in, where is this going to take you in the world. And um, it's really the world finding you and pulling you towards it, and, and you just using uh, all of your gifts and skills and passion to fill into that space. Natural personal care didn't exist before we entered the business. We created an entirely new category for people in health food stores and then eventually in stores, the mass uh, chain stores. And it became um, a phenomenal uh, opportunity for everyone, uh, and of course, uh, it's it's the reason Colgate said uh, this is a great opportunity for us to get into the natural natural business, and and they they just love what they have at, at Tom's name. Now, as you launched uh, your new business, 
how did you go through the process of envisioning? Was it, it, was it formal or an informal thing? Well, as a matter of fact, um, uh, it's formal. Uh, I, I've written a book called uh, Managing Upside Down, The Seven Intentions of Value-Centered Leadership. And envisioning your destiny is one of those things I talk about in the book. And it's really about uh, getting your people together collectively to uh, not argue, but rather to find, uh, find the common uh, way. Uh, where, where could this take us? Where, are, where would we like to make a difference? It's really saying um, the destiny that we would have is one where we would make a difference. And so it becomes a conversation and a growing awareness that this is, in fact, the difference that you can make. So we opened the whole field of natural personal care. And, uh, of course, uh, that, along with the notion of social responsibility, trying to pursue performance and profits on the one hand, but to do it in a way that's good for people, the environment, and others on the other hand. So it became a way of life. It became a very big business, and um, uh, we are uh, extremely um, pleased with the way it. And it just all makes sense, you know. You look back and you say, "Well, these guys stuck to their guns. They kept on going, and they made a difference. The world wanted it." Yeah, that that, that really is uh, an inspiring example of the power of envisioning your destiny. Now, it, it seems to me it's got to be equally important to articulate your vision so that other people can understand it. How did you develop that principle? Well, I, I think um, it, it comes with that deep caring. You know, it's in your bones. Uh, you're challenged time and time again by um, more expedient directions, more expedient ways, compromises uh, to make more money or to grow faster or to find the specialist. You can do all those things objectively, but you can strip the spirit right out of the organization. The spirit of the organization is what you believe in and care about deeply. So um, it really uh, it matters tremendously that the organization has a soul. And that soul really is what do you care about, and you become over time just very, it's in your bones to be able to speak about um, using natural ingredients. Um, uh, sustainability as a way of life and so on so um, it it comes with the journey uh, the challenges the struggle and so forth well fantastic I I think it is uh, I guess as a journalist I especially appreciate articulating the vision as a as a uh, as a, a part of this uh, journey because that's what I try to do is to articulate things uh, so I, I appreciate the value of that. Now, as the final of your five tips, you suggested that it's important to seek advice. I found that to be, I found that to be particularly helpful because seeking advice uh, seems to be uh, logical for one who's starting. But that you're giving that advice as one who has done it successfully and for a long time, and so I would really value your take on the importance of seeking advice. Well, basically, um, you have to take a, a, a point of view of humility that um, you are uh, 
uh, doing your best to think about what is right. And uh, yet, uh, you're only one person. You've got to have several perspectives, and those perspectives are improved by asking others what they think. And um, that's the uh, the problem is um, we might have the control, we might have the authority, but we, all, we, we don't necessarily have all the answers. So it's just a simple matter to simply say, what do you guys think? Uh, what's your counsel? And you're amazed at what you get for, for advice. And it is that advice that you, because we just can't see 360 degrees around us. Can you think of a specific time when you got specific advice that really made a difference? Well, um, there are examples of that. Um, I, I, I would say just um, the idea of, uh, of deciding where was Tom's of Maine going to end up. Uh, we decided not to put the company up for sale. My board of directors was very skillful at uh, knowing uh, about these matters, and we said that we really ought to identify four or five companies that we think would be good stewards for Toms of Maine. And out of that whole process, we um, ended up with a short list, and then I contacted the CEOs of those companies uh, rather than putting the company up for sale. And we said, who would be the best partner? And out of those conversations, we found one of the companies was not interested in us because they did a huge amount of animal studies. Uh, another company was very much engaged in something else. But Colgate just was ready uh, to consider this as their naturals for the, uh, for the future. Um, and they came uh, just wholeheartedly interested in, in doing this. So it, you know, it really didn't matter if we could have gotten more money from someone else. We found the right home and steward for Toms of Maine in the in the leadership, the integrity, and the power of, of uh, Colgate. So that's a good example of not using just objective analytics to plan the future of something that was our baby for 30, 36 years. Sure, sure. Now, uh, Tom, you really are just a, a giant in the social entrepreneur space. You were there early. You've had a tremendous success. You're doing it again. I mean, for all these reasons, you are an icon, a role model. Uh, and, and I wonder, though, who you look up to uh, in turn. Who, who is the role model that inspires you? Well, you know, um, I've thought a lot about that. And of course, my father was a very, very big man in my life. Um, but then I always wanted to be a businessman, uh, and he was. And I met a man named John Whitehead here in New York City who was in, uh, in the investment world, but I met him through the church. We did work together in the Episcopal Church uh, here in New York. And I thought, well, this guy is top of his game. Everyone uh, uh, in the world knows this guy. Um, he's a giant uh, of a um, businessman. And yet here he is uh, working for the church, and then I... I also found that he was very much involved in the, um, uh, helping to bring immigrants into the country, a man who had some real humility and deep caring. 
and um, I, I got the chance to sit with him in his office to talk about the investment in Toms of Maine. And he said, well, I've learned over the years that better ethics mean better business. And, and, and the more you pay attention to ethics, the better your business is going to be. That story and session in his office made all the difference in the world to me. And he became a mentor and advisor. And uh, when he was, he was dying, I visited in his home. And he, uh, as I was sitting in his bedroom with him, he said, I think you and I have had a special bond for a long time. I'm very glad I knew you. Wow. Wow. It's great to have that kind of a mentor guy. I mean, for me, what it did, what it, what it did for me was essentially um, give me permission to ethical and thoughtful and just on the one hand, um, and a high performer financially and in brand growth on the other. It's through that that I learned um, uh, it's really about goodness and performance together. You need to learn to integrate the two. Tom, as you think back on your life and career, what what is, what was the catalyst, the experience, the moment that, that guided you to be so concerned about social and environmental welfare? What, what was the motivating event? Well, again, it comes down to the time I had with my father working with him. We used to travel uh, to uh, he had he had developed a waste treatment program uh, that would be useful for uh, industrial waste of the tanneries, the textiles, potato processing, paper making. And in those moments, I learned that um, he uh, I, I learned of what it was industry really did to our rivers in particular. The clients that he was working with was dumping 40 million gallons of processed waste of a very, very high pollutant into one of our main rivers here. And I thought, you know, that's really criminal. Uh, there were no fish living in the river any longer. And that was just one example. Uh, there was a tannery that had a similar problem. Basically, in the 1960s, it was clear to me that industry was unbridled. They could uh, treat the rivers like sewers, and that was exactly what was going on. So I said to myself, um, if I'm going to go into business, and I obviously wanted to, I needed to be a different kind of businessman. Environment idea in 1970, when we incorporated Tom's of Maine, we, we became a, a, a model that you could do good for the environment and do good for customers and do good for your, your ownership and your owners at the same time. It's the integrative model. It's, it's having a sense of shared values. We all care about these things and we don't pollute the river and say, oh, well, that's just business. Um, rather, uh, that river belongs to us all, and we've got to be sure that we're proper stewards while we're in the process of making money. Well, it's uh, I think it's a great lesson that we all need to learn, and, and uh, it's exciting to see that so many more people are making similar discoveries in their own ways. Uh, Tom, we try to get uh, 
what we call an impact hack, a final tip from each person we have on the show. I know right. you've given us five great tips right. already, but is there one right. more bonus tip you might offer us? Absolutely. Um, I can tell you that um, the amount of fear that it comes with this kind of a job, the amount of fear growing a business is every day. And so when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're in those moments of your darkest fears, you have to have something. And that something for me has been, you know, the God of my understanding. Um, I, I go outside uh, at night at my farm. I stand underneath the stars. I um, look at the moon. I look across at the, my fields, the rolling fields of my farm. And I just have this private moment with, with God. The times that I settle down, I know that I'm going to be okay. Um, it's not as bad as I think it. And I wake up in the morning and I just am prepared to face another day with faith. Absolutely, with faith as the only way to go. Because if you don't go with faith, you're done for before you start. And that's the way it is for any of us that are, are doing these big challenges. I'm not alone. Uh, you've got to be able to rely on more than yourself. And that faith has to come from the confidence that there is a source that is providing you the, the, the will and the direction to carry on one more day. And it's in I, that day after day after day you find your way. I think it's a great, great insight, a powerful insight, the power of, of faith. Now, uh, Tom, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. We've gone over time already a little bit. Tell, before you go, please tell us how people can learn more about Rambler's Way and connect with you on social media. Um, I think you can go to our website, uh, Rambler's Way. Uh, you'll find um, um, our story, our products, how we make them. Uh, it's really a very complete picture. So uh, made in America, fine clothing, sustainable apparel. We do it without polluting the environment. We do it here in America. We're bringing jobs to America. Uh, we're bringing high premium uh, clothing to, to um, looking for something other than just the, the, the commodity product. And um, those are our values, high quality, sustainability, made in America, and, uh, uh, you know, a relationship orientation. Well, we were just... Uh, Tom? Yeah, go ahead. Tom, thank you very much for being with us here today. We really appreciate it and, and really uh, appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts and insights with us. It's really been a valuable session for us. Thank you very much, Devin. I'm I, I'm I'm grateful, and I I wish I didn't have to move around quite so much to complete the interview. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Listen, Tom, we wish you every success in uh, building Rambler's Way into the business that you envision. Thank you, Devin. All righty. You too. Let's do some good. Bye bye. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact. 
GGI uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Seed Equity Ventures is a registered broker-dealer with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and a member of both FINRA and SIPC, providing investment banking services to startups globally. Seed Equity's mission is to find the best and brightest entrepreneurs and connect them with global investors. Patch of Land is the leader in real estate crowdfunding with a mission to provide real estate entrepreneurs with easy access to capital from thousands of investors who want to invest in the revitalization of American neighborhoods. Patch of Land is building wealth and growing communities. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.